What I'm hearing, and I, I know that I can't possibly hear all the stories, but I'm hearing a lot of stories about, hey, I was used in the gift of faith the other day. Hey, uh, I, we had a miraculous healing the other day. Hey, I got this word of knowledge the other day. Like, I'm so glad to hear that you guys are taking the sparks that are in us and we're fanning them a little bit. Just by talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, um, I'm hearing people say, you know, I, I think I would have done that anyway, but I wouldn't have noticed that it was a gift if we hadn't been talking about it. Or I was in this circumstance where I thought, you know what, God, if you'd hand me a club, I'd swing, and then God hands them a club, and if you don't get that analogy, you'll get it in just a moment. But let's do just a quick review, because I think it's important to say things over and over again that are important. Read this with me. The gifts of the are for, they're for today. And again, we have no, we don't want to divide fellowship with people that don't believe that. We truly don't. But what you'll find is if, if you're careful in how you explain the gifts of the Spirit, you'll find that a lot of people that believe the gifts of the Spirit are not for today actually function very readily in the gifts of the Spirit. They just don't call it that. They call it intuition. They call it luck. How many of you guys know that when love is inside of you, the Spirit is activating gifts? That's, that's just the way it works. When the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and you love people and they're in pain or they're in fear or they're in doubt, or they, you want to help. And what comes out of your mouth because of love is often the words of God. So I think it's the Spirit for today. We're instructed to eagerly desire them. This is not something like, well, it's for a chosen few. It's like, no, eagerly desire the gifts. Eagerly desire the greater gifts, it says in 1 Corinthians 14. So many or most believers operate in these gifts regularly, and they're just not aware of it. And I, it's funny, I, I remember being used in the gifts of the Spirit before I, I knew there was the gifts of the Spirit. I remember, have you ever had this experience? It happens to me occasionally now, but at first it happened to me all the time. Now I kind of reach for Scripture, or I have some wisdom that I, you know, have been part of to me, and I, I kind of use the tackle box of things God has given me. But I remember somebody saying, I don't know what to do about this. Have you ever had this experience? I started answering their question having no idea what the answer to their question was. Anybody else ever had that? Not like in a political season way. Like not a, you know what I mean? Where I answer a question they didn't ask. I literally began to answer their question with some sort of a confidence that this is going somewhere. And then when it went somewhere and it was brilliant, I'm like, wow. Have you ever said anything? And like after you said it, you're like, man, whoever said that was smart. Because, you know, I'm, I'm Kermit the Frog, but it was Jim Henson's hand making this thing work. Like it wasn't, it wasn't me. It was, it was my face. It was, it was my voice, it was my tongue, but it wasn't like my experience. I, I reached back to, you know, back in WW Nam. I, like I, there's none of that. I was, I was like 21 years old, and God's giving me these words for people, and it wasn't, it wasn't like, I have a word for you. It was nothing spooky. It was so natural. I didn't know to make it spooky, so it was natural, and, and uh, it hadn't been kind of tainted by the show quite yet. So I would just talk to people, and they say, I don't know what to do with this. They say, well, you know, it's kind of like this. If you had three ducks, and one of the ducks was, and I'd like, where's the story going? And by, and by the time we're done, there's ducks and there's eggs, and it makes perfect sense. I'm like, man, do I look better than I really am. And then I realized there was these gifts. So I think that a lot of people, guys, they, we do operate in these gifts regularly. We're just not aware of it. So I guess the thought is if we do operate in these gifts supernaturally, naturally, why do we even talk about them at all? Like sometimes by talking about it, we create categories and expectations and demands, and you will, we'll grade whether or not we did it the proper way. Like if this happens supernaturally, naturally, then why do we need to talk about it? I, I think this is why. I think, and there's a lot of reasons, you know, order, understanding these gifts is important, the proper usage of them is vital, but I think there's something else, and that is we, we measure what we value, and we value what we measure. And I think what Paul's doing here is just saying, listen, there's some things that God's giving you. They're gifts. All gifts have value, even the valueless, you know, little handprints from the kindergarten teacher of your, of your five-year-old from kindergarten. How many of you know the value of that on the open market is garbage? but it's priceless to you. Every gift has value. 
and everything valuable could be given. So there's this, there's this measurement. Like we, we measure these gifts because we recognize God's being good to us and God's being good through us. We define them not to, not to create some process where we have to obey steps one, two, and three or it wasn't from God, but rather we, 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 we define them because when we see them, we can be grateful for them. We can look for these things in their day-to-day life. We don't just say, oh, there's gas. We say there's a gallon of gas. When I say, oh, there's time, we say there's an hour, a minute, a second, a day, a year. We, we don't just talk about gold. We talk about ounces of gold. Everything that has value has measurement. First Corinthians chapter 12, this is where he's kind of introducing the topic to the Corinthian church. And the apostle Paul says, now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. Like, the last thing I want you to be is like, I didn't know there were such things. He informs us. He instructs us. He defines certain things. He refines certain things. Because when we do these things well and we value them, they can move freely among us in a very different way. So I want to give you measurement, he's saying. And, and in 1 Corinthians 14, it talks about greater gifts. He's contrasting the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy. And tongues with interpretation would be equal to prophecy because it edifies people in a group setting. Um, praying in tongues by yourself edifies yourself. Praying in tongues publicly, he's saying that's okay, but it could also cause a lot of confusion. It may not be the right club for every shot, right? So different shots require different clubs. So he's talking about greater gifts. So what does he mean by greater gifts? I hold in my hand the mighty scepters of power, okay? I've got a driver, which really belongs in my right hand, and this thing is, is creative. If you don't know about golf, God bless you. It's a terrible game created to frustrate decent people, waste their time, money, and make them cuss. So God bless you if you don't know what this is, all right? The only club you need is a putter, and there's usually clowns and windmills and ice cream around. That's the only game of golf that I think God actually sanctions. I'm sorry. The rest of it's just a waste, right? No. I like golf. It just doesn't like me, kind of like chili dogs, you know? So this club is designed to put the ball as far as humanly possible. It's a driver. It's to drive the ball the greatest distance possible. It is weighted just properly. The length of the club is longer for more leverage. The, the face of the club is flat to give you, you know, it doesn't go way up in the air. It goes a certain angle. One, two, three degrees will send it, you know, the right way depending on your swing. There's a T that elevates. Everything is built around getting this thing down the road. This thing is, is a pitching wedge. You need goggles to wear it because often and when you hit it, the ball will fly up and hit you in the nose. Like this, this goes straight up in the air. This is for me, pitching from me to the middle of the row, this is the club I would use. Here to the, to the back of the property, this is the club I would use. So it talks about the greater gifts. Let me ask you a question, and be careful how you answer, because I'll warn you, this is a trick question. Which of these clubs is greater? Okay. And the reason I told you a trick question, you say, well, this one's greater because it hits the ball farther. And if the goal is to hit the ball farther, this is the right club. But if the goal is to, is to gently move the ball forward, this is the right club. So we talk about greater. The word there that is pronounced or translated greater is the word megas. Uh, we got our word mega. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a car, but that's a mega car. There's a Coney Island, but that's a mega Coney Island. It, it means bigger, but it also means better. It means higher. It means superior to. So when we are, are instructed to desire the greater gifts, please understand that the gift that has the most power in it is the one that's best suited to the task at hand. So because of this, there's going to be different gifts for different times. A great example of this uh, is going to be, um, well, let me just get to this first. So all these are the works of the one and the same spirit, and he distributes them. Like a, like a father teaching how to golf. Like, like a coach teaching you how to swing, he's going to hand you just the right club at just the right time. He distributes them to each one just as he determines. So he knows. Um, a good example would be on the day of Pentecost. They're all together in upper room, Acts chapter 2. 
suddenly there's a sound of a violent rushing wind and tongues of fire come and separate and they kind of you know, are over the top of, of each person. They can visually see it. They can audibly hear it. And then spontaneously without coaching, they begin to worship God and exclaim His glory in languages they did not know. Now, why is that the right club? Well, it's, it's the day of Pentecost. There's people from all over the world that are there that speak all these different languages. And God goes, you know, a word of wisdom might be disputed, a word of knowledge might be rejected, a a miracle might be explained away. But if if thousands of people hear a small group speaking in dozens of languages that are their hometown languages, their primary language of commerce, the Hebrew language was the the family one they spoke in the home, but it was kind of like somebody moves from Italy to here. They speak English in school, but they speak Italian at home. Does that make sense? So they knew both languages. They said, we hear them with without an accent, declaring the glory of God. It was a good sign. How many guys know that? That the, the tongues was the right gift on the day of Pentecost because it addressed so many people, drew a crowd, and they asked the question. How many guys know you've got them when they ask you questions? What is this? Well, if you're going to ask the question, I'm going to answer it. This is that. that The prophet Joel talked about in Joel chapter 2, now happening in Acts chapter 2. This is the... the the uh, institution of the last days where God's pouring out His Spirit on all flesh and 3,000 people get saved that day. How many of you guys think that was the right club? And so, but in a one-on-one situation, I, you know, like in this Corinthian situation, a smaller group setting, it's a Gentile environment, everybody from there speaks the same language. The, the Corinthian church is a little out of balance and Paul's calling them to correction because it's causing some confusion. Now, is he saying that tongues is bad? Okay, is he saying you should forbid speaking in tongues? He actually says, do not forbid the speaking in tongues. He goes, I thank God they speak in tongues more than all of you. But there's a purpose for one club, and you're using the wrong club for the shot that I have in front of you right now. So a large group setting where everybody, everybody's speaking in tongues can be confusing to somebody that doesn't know what the heck's going on. So that's the wrong club. But he says, now I would encourage you in some other clubs that you can swing that are better suited, that God's trying to hand you, and you're ignoring the club because you're focusing on one club. How many of you guys know God has more than one club? He has more than one gift. So regardless of the one you're most comfortable in or your tradition is or you think is the greatest, understand this. You want to be swinging in the club that God's handing you. So sometimes if you're in a situation, I'm just being funny, but you're over coffee and somebody goes, you know, how you doing? And they say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. But something in you says they're not. Like, are you really okay? Yeah, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm fine. I'm fine. They break eye contact, look away. I'm fine. You don't believe them. And talk, look at me. You're not okay. What's going on? Now, how many of you guys know it, it, it would be a great time for a word of knowledge? Be a great time for a word of wisdom. Be a great time for a word of prophecy. It probably isn't the best time for a message in tongues. I sense something's wrong in your life. Let me grab a hold of you. Get three inches from your ear and pray in a language you don't understand. How many of you guys know that might be a little confusing? But a clear prophetic word would not. So what I'm saying is this. I am not demeaning the gift of tongues. I applaud the gift of tongues. But it's not the only club in the bag. And, and we should get comfortable swinging all the clubs in the bag because the best golfers can putt and the best golfers can drive and the best golfers can use fairway woods and the best golfers can hit a one iron. You know what a one iron is? It's the hardest club ever to hit. It's a putter, basically. In, in rainstorms, my stepdad, we were out golfing one day. There was a thunderstorm. He took a one iron in a thunderstorm and held it over his head. I said, what are you doing? He said, even God can't hit a one iron. <laughs> You idiot, you know, right? So there's different clubs for different shots. So we're going to look at some more shots today. 
We talked about love last week and how important that is and the various gifts. Today we're talking about, understand there's lots of different clubs. The better we are swinging every club, the better golfer we'll be. The better we are, the more comfortable we are being used by God and receiving these gifts and giving them to people, the better off everybody else is going to be. Your ministry is only as great as the power of God working through you, as well as your family, as well as your marriage, as well as your business, as well as everything we're going to be judged on before the Lord on the day where all these things come together and God says, good job, well done, good job, well done. The things you're saying, well, job, well done, good job, it's not what we did, it's what he did through us by faith. I encourage you guys, get comfortable with every club in the bag. Be, and if you're not really exercising one, I've never done that. I've never, I've never spoken in tongues. I've never interpreted tongues. I've, I've never prophesied. I've never, like, it's okay to desire clubs that get the ball of Jesus Christ into the whole of humanity. Amen. Amen. That was a weird analogy, but it works. No matter. All right? So he knows the one to hand you. Let's, so let's continue looking. Prophecy. Um, prophecy, it, let's just give you a, a quick kind of, uh, scriptural reference here, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and verse 10. Again, to another he gives the gift of prophecy. So what does prophecy look like? Let's, let's take a look. Um, you ever had somebody say to you, you know, that, that class you taught, or, they, or you come to me and say, man, that sermon, like, I feel like you're talking just to me. Can I be honest with you? I've never just talked to one person in my life in a sermon. I can't tell you the number of times people said, man, that sermon was just for me. And I go, and I'll say, why? Like, I kid you not, I've preached on subjects that have absolutely nothing to do with what they heard. <laughs> I used to pray every week. I pray occasionally now, publicly, but privately, constantly. God, I pray you'd, you'd preach a thousand sermons in this room because there's about a thousand people that come through it every week. I pray you preach a thousand sermons because they don't need to hear one sermon that's not for them. They need to hear a word from God. So God, preach a thousand people and say, man, I was so moved by that story. What story? You know, the story about the duck. I don't remember telling a duck story. Well, you mentioned the duck. There was a duck. And when you talked about a duck, I just felt like God spoke to me about that duck. I'm like, I talked about a duck? I was talking about, like, tithing, <laughs> you know? And they're off, man, my marriage is saved. Well, I have hope for my kid's salvation. Well, I'm called to the Philippines to be a missionary. It's like, I was talking about, like, an announcement about the potluck on Thursday night, you know? This is, when, when all of a sudden something that is for everybody you know is for you, that's, that's a good sign that God's speaking to you. It's a prophetic word. Amen? Um, when logos, or the written word of God, becomes rhema, the fresh, breathed, for this moment, word of God. You ever read the Bible, and, uh, and, and then it, it's like, I've read this verse before, read this verse before, read it before, read it before, and suddenly you read it for like the hundredth time, and it jumps off the page, grabs you by the throat, shakes you, and says, I love you? What is that? Like, I know this information, but a different part of me was engaged when I read it this time. Like, that's a prophetic word. God taking the written word and making it like breathing on it and saying, no, that's not, that's not for mankind. That's for mankind, but it's also for you. And in that moment, we hear God's voice. Um, when someone has just the right words that encourage, strengthen, or comfort you in a supernatural way. Not like, oh, that, that dress doesn't make you look fat. Oh, that, that shirt, that, you know, sir, that shirt doesn't make you look fat. It's the fat under the shirt that makes you look fat. It's not, it's not the shirt's fault right? Um, and not, not the simple stuff, but like the, hey, you know what? Like, in, you ever had somebody just like call you and say, I was thinking about you, just want to tell you one thing, and they hang up, you're like, like if Jesus would have called me on the phone, that's what he would have said. That, that's a gift from God. It's a prophetic word. It says the prophecy comes from men's encouragement, strengthening, and comfort, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and that word strengthening means to be the word to confirm. It, it actually talks about when the Spirit's already been speaking to you and someone else by the Spirit confirms the word given to you. Like, I don't know if you've ever had a big decision to make. It was so big, it was hard to make. And then someone comes along and says, you know, anybody else know Mike Pickover? 
Pick, pick is famous for this. Pick is the guy that just has no idea what's going on in my life, haven't talked to him in a year, gives me a phone call, hey, pastor, what's up? I'm like, okay, God's got a word for me. <laughs> See, I was just thinking about you the other day, and I was looking out at some wheat in the field, and was thinking how all those, the wheat just holds the roots, you know, and it holds all that soil, so when it rains, it doesn't erode, and yeah, man, how you doing? I'm like, <laughs> what he doesn't know is I'm going, man, God, you know, I just, we need to get people rooted in the word, and we need to plant seeds, but seeds got to germinate, and, da -da. and all of a sudden, Mike comes along, and it's almost like God's saying, just keep investing in small groups. Just keep investing in small groups. Just, just hang on. If people get it, they don't get it. Just keep pushing, pushing, because that's, when they're rooted, they, there'll be no more erosion in the soil around, around the, the church. Like, just, just, just keep planting. You know, I'm just thinking about seeds. Just thinking about roots, thinking about dirt, thinking about you. <laughs> Every time I see dirt, I think about you. I can't explain it, you know? It's a great gift. So, so prophecy, we think of like the foretelling of what's going to happen. It certainly is. Agabus chapter, was it 11 of the book of Acts, foretells of a famine, chapter 7, foretells of a famine that's coming that comes in the days of Tiberius, the book says. But, but it, it is the foretelling of future events. But really, more often in Scripture, in the New Testament, Old Testament, it's, all, it's almost always like foretelling, but it's more like in the New Testament, there's a foretelling. It confirms, it strengthens, it comforts, it, 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 it encourages. It. When, when God speaks through somebody, and at the end of that conversation, you go, man, I'm in a different place because of those words. I can almost guarantee you the devil didn't do that. I can almost guarantee you that if it lasts more than 10 minutes, it wasn't motivational thought. If it lasts more than 24 hours and you're still thinking about it tomorrow, it was probably a gift of prophecy through someone who may or may not have even known that they were prophesying to you. And I'll say the same thing to you guys. We should encourage each other daily as long as it's called today. So be looking for opportunities to move in this gift. You might say, hey, I've got a prophetic word. Could the organist please begin to play the C chord? Let me comb my hair all the way to the side and say things scary like spit it. Sometimes the best prophecies are snuck into conversations with old friends. And you don't even know their prophecy. Just think about you today. I don't know. I saw some dirt, thought about you, and just, how you doing? Having no idea that what's happening is God is speaking through you to somebody. Um, if you don't speak, you can't encourage. Be encouragers. Send notes. Send texts. Send, you have no idea, no idea how you're changing the world when you're moving these gifts. Um, that's the gift of prophecy in a nutshell, all right? It's the foretelling, yes, but it's also the forthtelling of God's will, his counsel, his comfort, his confirmation. The next one, and the last one we get to today is the discernment of spirits. This is really handy. And again, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10 to another, there's this distinguishing between spirits. The best way for me to explain this to you is already in the book of Acts chapter 16 in a town called Philippi. There's a girl who is possessed by a demon and she's a slave. She's owned by other people, and she's a fortune teller. So she goes, tomorrow, you're going to meet a tall, dark stranger. She's the fortune cookie with a voice um, to this area. And because the demonic realm has a different perspective, sometimes she's accurate with predictions of who's coming from where or things like that. So she was a powerful slave and was being pimped out by her owners to, to for a price, share this demonic power with people. So that's the backstory on this. So once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us. And this is what she's shouting. You ready? These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to shut your pie hole and come out of her. 
At that moment, the spirit left her. This ends up being accusations and charges and a riot, and they're beaten, and they're locked in an inner cell in the middle of the night, all that. This is that story. Um, let me ask you a question. Was what she said by the unclean spirit true or false? Isn't it interesting that she's saying, hey, I have a great reputation around here. Everybody knows that I'm spiritual. Everybody knows that I have a great power that lives inside of me. You've paid me money to tell you what to do next, and I've been your counselor, your advisor. These people are even greater than I am. They're, they're servants of the Most High God, and they've come to tell you the way to be saved. Now, doesn't that all look really wonderful? But there's something inside of Paul that goes, I smell something funny. You ever walk, like, you ever get in your refrigerator and everything looks right? But there's another sense that goes, there's broccoli, old broccoli. <laughs> something green turned brown, or something brown turned green. But there's something wrong. And there's just something inside of it. Even though what she's saying is true, even though she's emphatic in saying it, and she's using her platform to promote their ministry, there's something inside of Paul that goes, that's not right. The discerning of spirits. This is what this gift looks like. Um, it helps us tremendously in, in leadership. Now, this is the kids that your kids play with. This is the, the, the boys that your daughters bring home, which are mostly demon-possessed anyway. Um, these, are the, these are the girls that your sons bring home, and I won't say anything because people are more defensive about their girls. Um, the, this is the people you might hire or might, might not hire. Um, these, are the, these are the neighbors that say, hey, we just want to get to know you. Like inside of you, there will be this knowing in your knower that feels comfortable, that feels, like, and it's not because, oh, they got long hair, I don't like long-haired people. Oh, he's got tattoos, I don't like tattooed people. Oh, he, he smells like, you know, something I used to do, and so I'm not going to do that because he's been, he's been smoking dope. Or whatever. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not an objection to something you know. It's something inside of you says, something inside of them isn't right. My wife has saved us so much trouble because she moves freely in this gift. When we first got married, she was the little woman from the small town whom I loved wonderfully, but she, I've been in ministry. I've been to war. I've been a police officer. You've been to, like, ice cream. You've played basketball. I, I am the wise man in our relationship. I, the sage, will guide you, little sister, and I will help you along because it's a dangerous world, and only I know the path of life. So I'd say, hey, I'm going to get this guy to come be on the worship team. She'd go, I don't know. I've got a weird feeling about him. Aren't you cute? You, you have feelings. That's wonderful. That, women have those from what I've heard. But I, I have made a decision. This is the man I'm going to partner with the ministry. I'm going to be my worship team. And then a year later, something would come out that was like, wow, that was a terrible choice. And she'd go, hmm, if only there would have been a warning. <laughs> only, only someone would have warned you. But hey, this kid, I'm going to put this kid in leadership. I don't think they're ready. Why? Because you know, they're, they're still sleeping with their girlfriend. They're like, no, they're not. I asked him straight to his face. He said no, and I used to interrogate prisoners of war. Like I, if he says no and he makes eyes, he goes, right, whatever you say, I'm just saying he's, he's doing it. She literally one time, <laughs> true, true story, right? Can I share this story or no? She said, hey, just so you know, I, I've been praying, and God showed me that those, those two are sleeping together. I'm like, no. He would never. Yeah, not only would he ever, he's having a great time doing it. Like, you, you got you to gotta talk to them. Like, no, he's, he's the best kid we've ever. Like, no, you got to be kidding me. So I went to him and said, hey, uh, Dina wanted me to ask you. He's like, yes. <laughs> he was waiting to someone to confront him. I'm like, no, because you're awesome. You're my right-hand kid. Listen, the discerning of spirits. Can you see where this is so important? Because everything on the outside can look fine, and it's only the inside of you filled with Jesus that recognizes the inside of someone else filled with something else. 
It's, it's a, it's, that, that gift prevented a corruption in the Gentile church at its formation. Because if it's okay to be, you know, fortune tellers and now evangelists, hey, we're partnering with all these different religious spiritualities. How many of you guys understand? It would have been diluted and polluted from its foundation. Yeah, but it wasn't because he said, hey, get out. The demon left. She's like, I can't predict tomorrow's weather. <laughs> and so they, they beat him and threw him in prison. So how many, how, many guys, how many guys can see the power of these gifts? All right. A piano guy, join me. Listen, um, how many guys think, and let me just kind of break this down. How many guys think the Holy Spirit's awesome? So let's, let's not be afraid of him. Let's, let's not be afraid of him. I understand that some of us saw like, movies and some of us read books about Jesus coming back and he's, he's scary because if we receive the mark our heads get cut off and all that kind of stuff but it, if you understand how perverted that thought is no more should we be afraid of the return of the Lord than a bride afraid of her wedding it should be the, it should be like the zenith moment of our lives when Jesus comes back for his church for his bride amen so we can be afraid of Jesus in a way that's ridiculous because we don't, we don't understand certain things or we only understand certain aspects. We, we're positioning ourselves as if we're sinners waiting for judgment rather than saints waiting to go home. And the same thing's true with the Father. Yeah, I'm not going to do this to you now, but you know, if you were to close your eyes and picture God just in your imagination. It's funny how many people picture him as up in the air with no facial expression, on a throne, obscured from vision, and how few people imagine him right here this close it's, it's funny and Adam Cook Pastor Adam used to say this all the time the most important thing a man can think is what he thinks when he thinks about God the Bible places um, Jesus God, the Bible places the Holy Spirit here not, not here not there here we are the temple of what the Holy Spirit right very personal extraordinarily intimate and inside of us, there's this desire. I heard somebody say, and maybe it's too strong a language, but it, it'll make the point I'm trying to make, is that the greatest crime ever committed is to, uh, to hold the Holy Spirit captive in his own temple and not allow him to move outside of his own temple. We like the meditative joy. We like the peace. We like the, the feelings of worship. When it comes time for him to come through us, not just to us, in, in, a, in, a, in a way it's like we, he wants to get out. We're like, oh, no, I, 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 I'm just scared of that. What if I do it wrong? What if I... So can I say this? I think a couple things are really going to help us. 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 13, the fulcrum on which those gifts rest. If we have an atmosphere of love, how many guys know you can try to prophesy and do it wrong and I'll still love you? If you kind of say, I, th I think I have a word of knowledge for you, you're supposed to have the pastrami on ride, not the Kaiser roll, turkey sub. I'd be like, let's talk. Because, I mean, that ain't even dirt. <laughs> That's not even, he's like, I don't know what that means. But go back and pray about it. And, and come, come back next week with another, and let's try to get, let's exercise these gifts. In other words, let's, let's not say, until I can hit a 310-yard drive perfectly straight, I will never use this club. How many guys know the guy that can hit 310 yards has hit thousands of balls that way, and that way, and that way. And, and, and but by exercising, by using the, and, and, and if you're like, <laughs> I was golfing one time, friend of mine, Tony Lang, professional golf instructor, good friend, tremendously gifted in the art of sarcasm. There's the five love languages. His was the sixth one, sarcastic biting. So he, he says, okay, there's a bucket of balls. Go ahead and hit the ball, do what you want to do, and just, I'm going to take a look at your swing. So I whack, and I hit it, and hey, there it goes. 
You know, okay, I do have another couple more. Whack. He said, okay, I think I know the problem. I said, what's that? He goes, your, your feet are too close to the ball. I said, oh, I should step forward. He goes, no, after you hit it. <laughs> you, you swing like a girl. Hit the ball. Okay. So I, well, now it goes, boom, you know what I mean? My slice is so bad, it's like, you know, people on the far end of the driving range are going like, who did that? What a great trick. This, this guy's got a boomerang shot. He goes, okay, okay, the problem's in your backswing. I said, what? He goes, well, when you come back, you're getting, you're getting it caught in your skirt, Betty. How many of you know, that may not be the best environment to learn how to golf. So let's not embrace that environment among us. Did you hear about so-and-so? He tried to prophesy to me. Oh, is he off? We should say, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? He's beginning to exercise the gifts of the Spirit. We should encourage that. We should help him. So love's the right environment, yes? Love's the right environment. We should, we should kind of golf with friends before we golf in public, maybe? Right? Maybe we should golf for the people that love us and will instruct us in our swing and lovingly and kindly. So let's, let's create an atmosphere in our, in our relationships, in our friends, in our foyerways, in our groups, where if someone has a gift, it's not like, oh, gee, scary Holy Spirit time. It's like, well, swing. Swing at me. Because I can take it if you're wrong. And I can bless you if you're right. And I can instruct you. I, Mary Cunningham, are you in here? Where's Mary Mary Extraordinary? Are you around here somewhere? She's what? She's white? That wasn't a gift of knowledge, by the way. I knew that before you said that. Yeah. Mary's really good at this. Mary has no problem saying, oh, sweetie. No. <laughs> and you're like, oh. But she's like, you tried. I'm so proud. You're like, I tried. I did. I tried to prophesy. I talked about dirt. <laughs> like, we, we need people to encourage us. Amen? Come on. So let's, let's, let's encourage one another in the gifts of the Spirit. And if we're wrong, say, oh, that was so close. Let me tell you, maybe try it this way or that way. And just, you know, and, and hit the ball again. Try it again. I have a word of prophecy for you. Like, they, if they're too heavy, it's just too unnatural. They're, they're pulling out some sort of imitation of somebody saw on TV. Say, listen. God's not going to bless your imitation of a TV preacher. He's going to bless you to be you and nothing else. So you, talk to me. You don't need the organ player, right? Okay. Last question is this. Are you filled with the Spirit? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Acts chapter 2, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and by the way, I'm not saying, were, were you filled with the Holy Spirit at camp? Were you filled with the Holy Spirit at the conference? Were you filled with the Holy Spirit that Sunday, all those Sundays ago. I'm saying here today, now, is there an abundance of the third person of the Trinity inside of you to a place where there's an overflow that comes through your life? If there is, wonderful. Would you please splash often and, and consistently on us? We need that. Your life encourages us. These gifts create a, a standard. Instead of lowering God to our experience, it raises us to what God has called us to be. Please, please be that and more. But if you're not filled with the Spirit today, say, well, how would I get filled with the Spirit? It's really, really hard. It involves great sacrifice. There's deserts and mountains and broken glass. No. Ask and you receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open unto you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. If your son asks you for something good, Will you give your son something bad? And if you, and let's face it, compared to the, your heavenly father, you being evil, 
know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? I really, I really want more of you, God. I'll be careful when you say that. Don't ever pray for patience. Yeah, that's what we need, a bunch of impatient people afraid to pay, pray for patience. God doesn't give you tests without giving you grace to pass tests. What, what do you want? Do you want a life that's filled with the Spirit, or do you want to be a normal Christian? Because i got news for you. A normal Christian is filled with the Spirit. Normal Christianity dries out demons. Normal Christianity heals the sick. Normal Christianity walks with authority that is commissioned by God to share the gospel. Do you want, you want to be a normal Christian? Be afraid of what you ask for. <laughs> normal Christianity is radical, radical living. It's beautiful, empowered by the Spirit. Why don't you do this? Everybody stand your feet. And I, I just want to do this in closing today. Close your eyes. And if you want more of the Holy Spirit with your eyes closed, would you just raise your hands? Any way you want. It's just a surrender. It's a reception. It's just a, a, a verb of wanting versus the noun of emptiness. God, with our hands raised and our hearts open, you said, if any of you wants more, ask, seek, knock. Maybe the, these moments we get to share together are not the totality of all we can give you, but I, I know this, it's a good beginning. Let what begins here today have no ending for all eternity. Your bride, your bride longs for her wedding day. And in the meantime, may we work on the wedding dress to be spotless and without wrinkles. And beyond that, may we, may we take the glory of our groom to the nations of the earth. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, words of prophecy, tongues, interpretation, miracles, discerning of spirits. God, there's just healings. And it's, it just goes on and on. These are nine, but you're not confined these are nine that would describe some of the things you do, but there's even more than nine. You're the great mechanic. You're the great provider. You're the one who does what no one else can do. God, let us live with expectation of the supernatural happening naturally in our lives. Holy Spirit, if we're a half a tank, fill us up. If we're empty, fill us up. If we're full, fill us up. How much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Freedom Center Church, right now in your own words and in your own way, if you want this, ask. Right now, you do it. Ask. Ask Him. Give me more. How much more will your Heavenly Father give the Spirit to those who ask? God, we ask. Powerless without you. Nothing is impossible with you. Wisdom knowledge prophecy discernment signs, wonders supernatural stuff happening naturally through our lives not doing our imitation of anybody else but moving through us moving through us your word was written by so many people and even though it's the same story there's fingerprints that are left by the people that wrote it they, they didn't remove their personality when they wrote you use their personality to show perspective. God, use our personalities you've given us to show the perspective, the creativity, the multifaceted function of, of the body of Christ. God, I pray, fill your bride to overflowing and then spill us to the nations. Spill us to the nations. In Jesus' name. Listen, if you're not right with God, 
then, then in some ways it's hard to even ask for this. Like you're looking down when some are looking up. You're thinking about what you did yesterday or the week before or the year before. You're not thinking about what Jesus did 2,000 years ago for what you did yesterday. If you're not right with God, God loves you so much that he sent a part of himself, God the Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to face everything that you will ever face. But where we have fallen, Jesus succeeded. And then at the end of that successful, never sinning, never stumbling, never failing, never faltering life, he gives himself as a living sacrifice to be crucified in the place of people just like me, just like you, that needed a perfect sacrifice to be brought into perfection. Because at that point now, it's a gift that we receive. It's not, it's not a, a goal that we achieve. Jesus was perfect, and Jesus died in my place. Jesus was perfect, and Jesus died in your place. And on the third day, he rose from the dead, and he defeated the last thing the devil had. The devil is a defeated foe. Why would you even want to walk in his past, man? Why would you follow a loser when the King of kings and the Lord of lords invites you to be family? If you need God's mercy today, that's why he sent Jesus. Receive that mercy. God, forgive me, a sinner. I need a fresh start and a clean slate. I need to know you in a way that I don't know you. I need to stop doing what I'm doing that leads my heart away from you. I need to start doing the things that create intimacy at greater levels between my heart and yours. Forgive me. I have everything I called God before you, but I have made my choice. You are my king. You are my Lord. You are my savior. You are my master. You are my friend. You are my father. I forsake all other ways to follow one narrow path that leads to you. In your name I pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. You know you can ask for more as you're driving home. You can ask for more in the shower. You can ask for more in the gym. You can't ask for more watching an Ohio State game. But other than that, there's just about any place. Unless you're being beaten by Michigan. Altar workers are coming forward. And I would encourage you to um, make your way to someone who can pray for you. Now we're going to do something a little bit different today. So everybody stay right where you are. Nobody move. Nobody move. You're moving. You're moving. Deacons are catching them. Right, if you need prayer, come to the altar. If you want to talk about what Dean was talking about, getting involved, I'm supposed to be at the back doors. I was supposed to do it when I prayed, but I forgot. So this is all about me. Sorry. Oh, she's leaving. She's leaving early. She's leaving early. There she, okay, I'm just kidding. All right. God bless you guys. You're dismissed. Get some prayer.